Welcome to another episode of The Break. After being excluded from the last show, I'm taking over. I'm taking control. This is Justin Roan with Phil Boileau. Uh, No Megan Ingalls today because she was busy. She feels like she's too good for us. So uh, we're we're going to hold things down today. Phil, how's it going, man? Good, man. It's a bit of a boys club today. And to be fair, excluded, a.k.a. you couldn't make it last week so let's not pretend people were kicking people out this was you actively taking a choice and doing something else i i'm not going to acknowledge that well you know the good thing is i think the podcast game needed more shows with just two white guys talking basketball so this is this this is good for the industry this is uh this is where we need to be and we could transition into like politics and stuff because the same rule applies right (laughs) Absolutely. But we're going to start things off talking about a team that's near and dear to your heart, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they had a really close game against the Golden State Warriors. They they were up big. Uh, and then the Warriors happened. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry just go bananas. And uh, the, the Sixers fell flat. Um, but to start the season, I, I mean, it, it's clear that the Sixers, the process... Um, has been heading in the right direction and that this is a team of the future. What what are your thoughts right now when you look at the Sixers? They have one of my favorite starting fives in the NBA. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, everyone talks about Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. And, you know, we should give them all the credit in the world. But I really think what makes them tick, I love Sarich and Covington. I think those two on the wing next to Joel just really make it, like, that toughness and that defense. Um uh, look, even though they lost, there were a lot of plays that were extended because of Sarich just getting in there. He's 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 uh, he, he he grinds, and Brett Brown seems to really know how to make these guys work. And look, their oldest best player is what, like 23, 22? and right. and really they don't have much of a bench, even though they have Fultz and Okafor. I mean, Fultz is obviously injured, but for a team that's this young and with this much cap space coming up, like. Look, this team was never going to be that good this year. They were just going to be entertaining and hopefully knock off a couple of giants. And they came close. This this is A, the league pass team of the year in my mind. And B, you know, health is everything. But when we're talking about teams up and coming in, in, in the East, it's hard to not put this guy, this team in the top one or two. Yeah, it's a really exciting team, and obviously Ben Simmons is going to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, he, he's having arguably one of the greatest uh, rookie seasons we've ever seen uh, from a player. Obviously, the red shirt year kind of helped, uh, 21 years old, but that shouldn't really take away from what he's doing. I, I mean, we're talking about uh, once-in-a-generation type talent. When you see someone at his size, his ability, that how tight his handle is, his vision as a passer... And offensively, he kind of reminds me of uh, Antetokounmpo uh, in how, even though he doesn't have a jump shot, he's able to get to the rim and finish over top of people, whether it be post-up or layups, just because of his length and the way he uses his body. Uh, He's just an absolutely remarkable talent. And um, the thing is, even if Joel Embiid has to be managed throughout his career, even if you're only getting... 50 games per season from him and you you have to rest him on back-to-backs and keep his minutes low all the time even 
if that's the case, a talent like Ben Simmons and if Markel Fultz recovers from this shoulder injury and becomes the player a lot of people anticipate him being, this is still a core and a team that can attract other talents, that, that can attract and, and become a powerhouse team. And uh, As you mentioned, Sarge and Covington also look like good pieces. Uh, Sarge actually kind of reminds me of what the ideal role for Jabari Parker should be when he comes back with the Bucks of this kind of 3-4. I don't know if Jabari uh, has that dog in him, though. Like, I think Sarge, like, attacks more. He's, he's got more of an aggressive really? side. I I feel like Jabari's a little Jabari's bit softer. I think Jabari's way more aggressive. Really? I think Jabari's I don't way see more it. aggressive. Like, Jabari is a number two overall pick. Offense is his thing. He's dunking on everybody. Like, I'm not what, saying he's what, not a good scorer, but I think where, where I'm talking about having that dog and that fighting him is for, like, rebounds and loose balls and, like... Okay, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I get that. I, I think Sarge is a more complete player. Uh, you do get those hustle plays out of him. And I love, of course, the white guy's the one that's making the hustle plays, but it's true. He, he cares more about those things. Um, but Jabari Parker, I really do still believe in him. I think he has a lot of upside. And as much as he wants to be a franchise player, that's just not going to happen with... Uh, they are not going to pay him that uh, that ma- those max dollars. Like, I cannot see Jabari Parker in a Bucks uniform. Really? Because I, I, I still think he has a place with that team. I, I do, but, uh, but if he's willing to take 15 to 19 a year, sure. But not the 25 or 30 he's going to want. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case because he has had those two ACL tears and just the I, I think he's going to take uh, maybe a shorter deal or, or have a player option because he needs to prove himself and I, I think he understands that as well. So if he can get secure money where you're talking just under $20 million, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me, but we're still a little ways away from that because he has had those injuries and his the start of his career has been delayed. So the, the first thing is really just seeing what he can be, what he's healthy. They are going to need his points, back. though, because like as much as I, like, I think it's nice they added Bledsoe. I think it balances that backcourt. They are going to miss Moose's frontcourt scoring. And, Big time. And when, when I was watching them last year against the Raptors, I was like, you know what? I really like this Bucks team. They just can't put enough points on the board. And I think that was a concern. I, like, I think adding Bledsoe was nice, but Brogdon, like, scoring wasn't his, like, Achilles heel, right? Like, I think Bledsoe had more of a round game, but he's, yeah. he's still going to need those points. So, I mean, whether it's off the bench, but again, if you're paying him max money off the bench... I don't know. There's so many nice wings. Like you have Snell, you have Middleton, you have Thon, who you're gonna want to come through. Like, like none of those guys are gonna play center, so it, it has to be a Thon or Henson at that point. And then, right. and then you're like Parker. We both described is is never gonna be a two or anything. He's at best a three, probably more of a four in most realistic situations because yeah, so. his length and just how he plays. Um, and Giannis, like, look, he can play some three and play some point guard, but really he's kind of a four as well at this point with the size and everything. I, um, actually, the, the, it was kind of funny you mentioned Giannis with the with the, with the the kind of comparison to Simmons just to pull it back. Because I see what you mean, but I feel when you look at Giannis, he looks like a four who is able to play some point guard. Where when I look at Simmons, I'm like, he's a point guard who's able to play some forward. I, th- I think that's that's a good observation because when Giannis first came into the league, like there was a lot of hype and people were excited about what he can do, but he really wasn't that good starting out. And 
it was uh, Kid would occasionally experiment with the point Giannis thing, and they they were trying to perfect his ball handling. And it took years to develop that. Whereas Simmons, we saw it in college. We're, we're seeing it immediately. He just got a bit NBA. of a tighter handle, right? Like when he goes in, even way, he, tighter, like, like, way like, tighter. Like when he's in close yeah. proximity, he has to spin around some guy. I trust him, Giannis. I like. I'm worried that's a turnover. Right, so like when it comes up close, like within you know seven feet, as much as like Jazz is just a better player. He's a longer player. He's a taller player, and he finishes well. Although I will give him credit, as much as Ben Simmons can't shoot long balls, I like his little floater. I like his little face up from like <laughs> five six feet, and it's just his one handed just toss. And he's gotten good at that. And look, play, like players make weird shots like that throughout history like their careers right like they just find one or two things they do really well and they're look as long as he can have a consistent way to score that's not necessarily a dunk or a layup he's able to beat most of his guys off the dribble being simmons and so he can get to that spot whenever he wants and and there's so many guys who can shoot and score on that team that their ability to double or triple team them is almost zero. Like, you, you can't leave Reddick and Covington, who are both like 50% shooters, out just hanging out because we're going to double Simmons. And you can't just forget right. about Joel Embiid, who's, uh, who's, I mean, probably more than arguably their best player. And then Saric can hit his shots. And, you know, there's a bunch of guys off this bench. It's just, I think they've really built this team well. Like, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but they trusted the process and it's looking good <laughs> absolutely and i i really do think Fultz is go- is kind of the missing piece there because what they're missing is i think one more shooter because if you have another ball handler and another shooter around them uh it's just going to make simmons that more dangerous it's going to enable him to to really get into those driving lanes and um but before we actually move on from the Bucks, I, I know you mentioned Bledsoe, uh, how he's helped. I think he's able to get to the rim and, and get inside the paint at a level that they just didn't have anyone that could do that before. As good as Brogdon and he's was, a veteran who can just stabilize the offense, like uh, uh, when it gets rough, right? Right, exactly. But still, even with him, the the offense just doesn't feel as good as it should be and, and maybe Jabari Parker coming back does help that but do you think it's more on the personnel or the coaching because when I watch the Bucks, they play this slow grinding style Which makes no sense considering uh, uh, their roster right where they should be up and down Snell, Middleton, Thon, Giannis they should be one of the fastest teams and taking advantage of people on their heels with their length right just going to the free throw line again and again and again I, I think Jason Kidd has to go. I, I don't care how much success they have this season. The Bucks should be playing a fast style because everyone talks about markets and it certainly an Im- has an impact on your ability to draw free agents. And Milwaukee is never going to have that advantage. But I think if you put a fun system that's in place, like that was a big part of why Kevin Durant went to the Warriors was he thought that it was going to be an easy system for him. He wasn't going to have to do isolation as much. Of course, he still falls into to the temptation of isolation ball at times, but they get him so many easy looks. Kyrie Irving, he, part of why he wanted to be traded and why he ended up in Boston was he didn't want to play the, the isolation. He didn't want to work so hard for buckets. And now you see a beautiful two-man game between him and Al Horford uh, where they're they're playing a little more up-tempo. Of course, Boston's offense is below average right now and injuries have some part to do with that. But the system was part of what made him attractive. So to me, when you look at the Bucks, 
the fact that they're playing an ugly style when they have so much potential to, to have a fun team is criminal. It, it, it makes no sense to me. Okay, I'll ask you this question then. It's going to seem weird, but did Luke Walton make the wrong choice going to that team instead of inquiring about the Bucks? I don't think because so. Because you can't tell me a phone call to the owner of the Bucks being Luke Walton coming off the Golden State system. And when you look at Golden State and you look at them, yeah, it's not well, the same. This is, this is revisionist history. We, we didn't know Giannis was going to take the leap he did last season. There was certainly the potential for it. Um, but th- there are so many unknowns in this. Uh, him going to L.A., they're still going to have the ability to attract free agents. Who knows? OKC is a bit of a mess. Paul George may still wind up there, and they're going to have the ability to add another free agent as well. I, I, I think it's way too early to say that, and I think Luke Walton is in a city in a situation that he's comfortable with. And sure, you, you could say that, that maybe he would be better off in Milwaukee, but I, I think there's other things that, that go into it. He has the full support of the organization. You know the Lakers it, are going to and, spend money. He's a Lakers day, guy. It is the Lakers, right? He he's exactly. he's got Magic Johnson's blessing on a young team. He can put his his stamp on too. Um, yeah, uh, but I agree with you. Like I like I think kid has to go. There. Think of all the There's places Walton can go after a game uh, for a bite to eat. <laughs> what is there in Milwaukee? Chick fil A. <laughs> I wish I had a Chick fil A in Montreal. We don't have any of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I think there's too much talent going on there. I mean, look, it, it, honestly, it'd be it, it it would be a situation where I don't know what kind of coach I'd want in Milwaukee. Like, do you want one that's good at building because they're so young? Do you want someone who's more of a veteran, like a Tom Thibodeau style, just comes in and just shocks the system? Because I I don't think they need much more talent. I just think they need to expand upon their talent and just maximize and be consistent. Yeah, as I said, I think they need a, a coach that's going to empower their existing roster, that's going to play up tempo, and that's going to kind of tailor it to what they have. Uh, I think you certainly need a player's coach there. I, I think you need someone that can build a relationship with Giannis, um, more, more so than, like, let's say, a Stan Van Gundy, where it's like, I have no real loyalty to the players. I'm, I'm going to get the most out of my roster, and if they hate me at the end of the day, I don't care as long as it makes us better. I don't think that's the right fit for this team. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think they might have to go a little um, think outside the box, look to college, look to a bunch of other places. I'm not sure who's available or who would have interest. Um, but e- I mean, even if it's as simple as hiring an assistant coach, that's going to take over the offensive responsibilities from Jason Kidd. Maybe that's kind of a compromise if they like what Kidd has done. Because you can you can say, you can critique the offense, which I have, and I don't think he's a very good coach at all. But they have developed players well, and that's something that shouldn't really be overlooked in the situation. I kind of hate myself because while you're saying that, well, while you're saying that, I use my same logic on the Walton. I was like, oh, there's Mike Brown. I'm like, I actually just went to bat for Mike Brown in my head. Hey, Mike um, Brown. Mike Brown is a big. He is a very, very, very smart coach, and he helped. Would you think that would be a good fit? If you no, I, I think Mike Brown's an assistant coach, but I think the pairing of Mike Brown and Steve Kerr help each other out. They they balance each other out in a lot of ways. Um, so maybe it's a situation like that where Jason Kidd just needs the right assistant. Um, one team that doesn't have issues scoring the basketball is the Houston Rockets. Uh, they got Chris Paul back. They're looking pretty damn good right now. Um, there's 
a lot of what we expect from them, a lot of three-pointers. Um, but Chris Paul, now that he's back, kind of gives them a different dimension. He's someone that is going to make defenses think twice. They're, they're going, he's going to use that mid-range jumper, and it's going to kind of throw teams off. H- have you watched a lot of them since Paul has come back? I, I know it's only been a couple games, but what do you... A little th- bit here and there. Do you, what, what do you think moving forward, though, with, with that pairing? Do you think... Do you still have I, concerns? I, I don't like it. I just think that... I, look, I think... Harden definitely needed a secondary ball handler. I think what they gave up for him, like I like Bledsoe, but I think you have to make that trade if you're offered that kind of a deal. So I don't blame them for doing that trade. You take in talent when you can take it. I just think ultimately it's 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 a weird fit. Like I think they play really well when the other one's not there. Um, and I think they're forcing it a bit that they mesh. Um, I'm, I'm sure they get along off the court. I'm sure they mean well on the court. It just looks like one of those awkward uh, relationships where people are just like, you know, like 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 the two best looking people in high school. Like, well, we have to date, right? <laughs> but then they're like, yeah, we don't actually get along. And hey, everyone's hey, like, hey, oh, they're you're, so, you're criti- so pretty together. Phil, you're critiquing that, but that's also how this podcast happened. We're like, oh, we're the two best looking guys at press. We got a pod together. So magic can still happen. I'm not literally going to say no to you because like, um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to lie about things. See, I, I know yeah. the tricks. I know buttering you up always works. But I don't know. I, I think they're two unselfish players. I, I think it is going to work out well. My only concern is just the different in disposition. Like you got Chris Paul who will scream at teammates after a made basket if it wasn't made in the right way. And then James Harden who is, let's just call him a little more fun loving than that. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I actually don't see this th- this going past this year. I think next year Paul's out of there. I think this is just a fun thing that's gonna fizzle. I don't see the top end for for Houston. I think we're gonna see, you know, maybe a top four in terms of regular season wins, and then we're gonna see a second round out. I just don't see it compared to all these other teams that can slow it down and give you so many looks. Um, <laughs> look, look, I, I I really like who they added. I I like Tucker. Um, I, I, I think Capella's nice. I, I, I think he's... I know this is going to sound weird con- considering the internet saying the other thing, but I think he's a bit overrated at this point. Um, PJ Tucker? No, no, no. Sorry, uh, Clint Capella. Oh, People are all like, no, like, no, no. The top centers and all this. Like, sure, he's a good... But, but there's a whole lot of good centers in the NBA. There, There like, is a whole with, lot, but he's an above-average center. And the thing that's valuable with him is he doesn't do more than he has to, and he doesn't try to do anything he can't do. He's more than happy. He knows what playing with James Harden and Chris Paul is going to do for his career. He rim runs. He, he sets good screens. He finishes at the rim. Plays so the he's defense. doing what they hoped uh, uh, Dwight Howard was going to do, and then Dwight Howard actually wanted an offensive exactly. role. Exactly. If Dwight didn't need post-ups and he was able to play in this way, he would still be a very effective player in this league. So I don't, I don't think it can be overstated how important it is to have a player that accepts their role. I mean, it's the same thing with Tristan Thompson in Cleveland. Like, he accepted his role. He did these exact same things, and that was a big part of one they want, why they won a title. I really do think that Clint Capella is a game-changer in that same way. Yeah. Uh, 
That's actually an interesting idea because, like, if you think about it, most of the best teams are filled with people who have just at some point learned their role and learned to accept it. Yep. Like, if you're looking at Golden State, looking at San Antonio, looking at Cleveland, uh, looking at Boston, you know, uh, even at their young age, like, looking at, you know, even Philly we were just talking about. You know, uh, a guy like Robert Covington, he's, like, this perfect role. He knows who he is. He doesn't try to play outside it. He just does... And, and, and I think there's a lot of value. Like, I think a lot of players get drafted and they spend years trying to figure out what their role is. You know, they're drafted top five, so they think their role is to be a superstar. But maybe your role is not. Like, look, Jalen Brown was drafted number three. He's, he's really breaking out. But is his role going to ever be your best player? I don't think it will be. I think he's going to be your Scottie Pippen or third best player. He's going to be really, really, really good at it. And if you're and if you're a team that can have him as your third best player, you're going to win a ton of games. And I think yep. there's a lot of teams like that. And I mean, and look, in the instance of Jalen Brown, realistically, like he's blossoming and, and maybe some of the benefit of Hayward going down is that they find out and they develop sooner what Jason Tatum, what Jalen Brown are. Those guys are getting a lot of run right now. And when Gordon Hayward comes back, like he's their their best two way player. Maybe Kyrie passes him with this season off because uh, I, I think they were fairly close in overall impact. But now that Kyrie's playing defense, he's uh, becoming a better leader. I think there's a good chance that at the start of next season he is their best player. Um, but even Al Horford's having a great year. So if Jalen Brown is all of a sudden your fourth best player, and you got Jason Tatum and you got Marcus Smart and you got all these other guys. Uh, that can make an impact. Good role players. That's a really, really. They're going to have to pay these guys. So, so to be fair, like next in year, a while, Smart in a wild. In a wild, Smart needs to be re up soon. Oh, Marcus um, Smart, they can let walk if need be. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're not going to have to pay those guys in a while. Even in two in two years for Brown and three years for Tatum when they sign their extension, that doesn't take effect until another season. So the. This team is going to be able to stay together for a while. That top four is going to be, top five even, is going to be able to stay together for a while. Uh, the, the only iffy one is Al Horford just because he is getting older and his contract will be up at that point. Although he looks good this year. He, he looks in really good shape and he's moving well. Right, but I'm, I'm speaking from a contract perspective. of yeah. He'll be up before those extensions kick in for the young guys. But do, do you believe in this Boston team? Do, do you think that there's a chance that they can make the finals or, or even challenge the Warriors this season? Look, I think uh, we're talking about Jason Kidd and coaches. I, I think almost every team outside the Spurs and maybe one or two others would take Brad Stevens as their coach immediately. He's got to be one of the better player coaches in the league. Um, and, and when you look at this team, they're young, they're hungry. I just... I don't see it this year. I just think as much as we're giving credit to these guys, they're still 2021. 20, most of them who are playing majority minutes on the wing. And, you know, guys like uh, 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 Ojele, uh, uh, Yabu, guys like that. I think they had really good minutes. Uh, 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 I think it was Semi on top of that. Like, I was watching him play against... Uh, was it Semi? I'm forgetting. It's the one that's 6-7. Yeah, you, you like six, Semi. Eight. Yeah, because yeah, he's the one who, who manned up on Draymond. And I thought did a pretty good job. Um... But you know what? I, I'm going to be the one to say this. As much as I like what Tatum's doing, I'm a bit worried that it's a product of how good the rest of the team is. I think he does good things, but I don't think if we're seeing Tatum on any of these other teams that would have been in the spot to draft him at that point, that we're talking about Tatum the way. Like, if you switch him up from Josh Jackson right now, I think they're better. 
Boston's better. Interesting. I don't know necessarily because I I think Jason Tatum is, is a nice player. I think he was one of the more polished guys. Like that was a big part of why Boston drafted him was they thought he was going to have more year one impact than a lot of the other guys. Um, I, I'm with you. Maybe it, it is too early. Maybe, but maybe he turns out to be like a, if he turns out to be like a Tobias Harris, maybe a little bit better rebounding, uh, develops the outside shot a little more consistently. Like that's still a really damn good player, especially if you're talking about him being your fifth best guy. I'm with you. Maybe people have jumped on him a little too soon. I saw a, a mock draft or a YouTube draft where they, they had him going first overall. I don't know necessarily if I would agree with that because a draft still ultimately is a long-term thing. Um, but there, there's no denying that he's the best player that's been drafted. He's having the best season out of anyone that was drafted this year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I, I, I think people still need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. We're a month into the season. It started early. We didn't have much of a preseason. Uh, this team's going to go through slumps. They're, they're going to go through other runs, just like every other team. And um, Although I like their toughness. I've got to give them that. Oh, when I was giving, we were talking about other teams. like uh, Guys like Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines, add some nice toughness in that front court. Um, so I think it's it, it has the makings of a playoff team, but probably like the same criticism I would give on Philly. The talent I see there is just the difference between rookie second years and vets is vets tend to crack less under pressure and they tend to make the big shots, the big free throws. And those little things sometimes are the differences in games. So while I think they'll be a dangerous team, I think we'll see a lot of the usual suspects beat them in a seven game series. Like when you're playing, I'm still not a fan of Washington, but I'll, I'll include them because they're a good team. Washington's your Toronto's. Even Milwaukee's like, uh, Milwaukee maybe, just because I think they can throw a lot at uh, Janice, but I don't know. Like, I think if they're forced to play Toronto or Cleveland just because of that veteran presence, I don't think they beat them in seven. You know what? I, I think there's a very good case to be made there, and I, I, I agree with you. I think any of those teams really do have a shot. It'll be interesting to see. As I said, these teams are going to go through runs. They're going to go through changes. There will be trades. There will be injuries. And it, it's just something to keep an eye on. But uh that's it for our show today. I uh, want to thank all the listeners. Remember, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud. Um, it, make sure you're not missing any episodes. It's the best way to do that. Uh, Megan will be back next week, hopefully. Hopefully she uh, doesn't think she's better than us now, but um, hopefully she also sees how badly we need her presence. So uh, once again, I'm Justin Rowan. Uh, Phil Ballot joining me. Thank you very much, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time on The Brick. Peace.